Dark Dawn Bleeds Into a Golden Sunset was written by Alice Goulding and is narrated by Sue Rodwell-Smith. Where was he? I gazed out of the kitchen window across the moor at the dark and troubled sky, hoping to see his long strides eating up the heath on his way home. I shivered. So many things could go wrong. Isolated from everything, I felt in control, even though I was all alone, surrounded by miles of heather and gorse for company. You'll be safe here, I promise, Joe said, when he kissed me briefly on the forehead before leaving in search of food. We'd already eaten our way through the meagre provisions we'd packed, grabbing what we could before making our getaway. Why trust him? The flat was supposed to be a safe house, but Robert had still found me. It was pure dumb luck that I'd popped to the telephone box on the corner to call Barbara. Phone boxes were anonymous, untraceable, or so I'd believed, and I had told no one where I was. Barbara was worried. Mary, what have you got yourself into? They told us at work that you'd been killed. It wasn't me. My neighbour borrowed my car. Poor Sue. I had no idea. Robert came by. Barbara, you didn't tell him anything, did you? No, but Robert was worried and said if I saw you to tell you that he loves you. No, he doesn't. He loves my money. We took out a joint life insurance policy when we married. He got over a million if I die. That's a fortune worth killing for. That was when I saw his car pull up outside the block of flats. Sorry, Barbara, have to go. We'll call when I can. I first met Robert at a work do. He was handsome, charming and smelt amazing. He had an interesting sense of humour, which I thought quirky, but later I realised he had a cruel streak. I was flattered that he fell for me. We had a whirlwind romance, such a cliché I know, but I thought I was in love. Instead, I was in love with the ideal. He had wined and dined and seduced me, and I was wearing rose-tinted contact lenses. He met my parents and charmed them too. Father had his suspicions and warned me to wait. I should have listened. It never occurred to me that he only married me for my family money. I thought he was rich too, but it was a sham. Robert was the one who suggested we take out life insurance policies. Why I agreed to sign was total madness. Too much of a temptation. If one of us were to die, the other would receive a massive payout. Only if the death was ruled accidental, though. Sabotaging my car was inspired. A perished seal allowing the brake fluid to drip away, drop by drop. And poor Sue couldn't stop. She was killed. I felt so guilty. I should never have let her borrow my car. Detective Inspector Joseph Carter had been assigned to protect me after the investigation discovered my car had been tampered with. It's funny how being thrown together and running for your lives means you instinctively trust another person without question. Joe is nothing like Robert. No fashion sense or charm and he likes fast food. I mean, really likes it. Our meagre rations didn't come from Fortnum and Mason but a motorway service station. I opt for filo of fish, but would be surprised if it had ever swum in the sea. I don't know what Robert plans to do, should be back soon, and he left me a gun. He even showed me how to use it out on the moor. Don't shoot with your eyes closed. 
he grinned. Then I shot all three tin cans off the fence post one after the other. Got my shooting badge in the girl guides, I smirked. Joe was suitably impressed and he set out not long after. Chinese or Indian, he quipped. Lock the door after me. Then he was gone. How long has it been? I've lost track of time standing here. I keep thinking I hear a car, but I know I can't have. Ours is still there. Joe told me to lock the door after him, but I never thought to check the back door or the windows. I would hear the glass break if Robert tried to get in that way. A loud crack makes me start. Why did I have to tempt fate? It sounded like a burst of bells from a wind chime, but I know it was the tinkle of glass shards as they bounced off the flagstone floor. He has found me. I hold tight to the gun Joe left me and check the safety is off. Keeping to the shadows, I creep, clinging to the wall. Then I hear the protesting creak of the door being forced open and the warm crunch as the wall... Keeping to the shadows, I creep, clinging to the wall, then hear the protesting creak of the door being forced open and the warning crunch as boot meets broken glass. I see him. Stop right there, I have a gun. Mary, is that you? He stands very still, his silhouette dark and ominous, framed by the lights from the open back door. I didn't cut your brakes. I have no idea who did it. You must believe me. He is panting either from exertion or fear. I put him at ease. I know it wasn't you. Then who? I did it myself. You were too greedy, Robert. Those insurance policies, it was obvious. One of us would have to die in the end. And I decided to make sure it wasn't me. I take aim and fire. Robert screams and falls, clutching his stomach. The shot was too low. I was aiming for his heart. I need to make this look good. A verdict of self-defence will save me and the money. He should never have made me sign that document. I kneel down in front of him. Glass embeds itself into my right knee and I breathe out through the pain that hiss. Sorry, Robert, but you know I'm right. Placing his hands around my neck, I mock. Strangle me if you want. You bitch! His hands tighten around my throat, but he is losing too much blood and his hold weakens. His arms drop to his sides and his eyes stare back at me as his breathing rattles like a struggling engine until it splutters to a stop. I had no choice. He would have done it to me. Joe found us and called it in. He wanted me to go to hospital, but I refused. So many people arrived at the scene. I sat with the policewoman. The area was labelled and photographed, as were the hand marks about my neck. I started to shake and someone brought me a blanket. You're in shock. Joe took my hand. I killed him, Joe. You had no choice. It has been a year since that terrible night. The marks about my neck soon faded, but there is still a scar on my knee from the broken glass. A reminder embedded in my flesh. Where is he? I gaze out of the kitchen window across the moor at the dark and troubled sky, hoping to see his long strides eating up the heath as he makes his way home. Joe and I married a week ago, but he is always away working. My father told me to wait, but I didn't listen. 
I have come back here because it is so isolated and I feel in control with only miles of heather of gorse for company. I pour a glass of wine and light a candle. I know Jill will come, he promised. He loves me and I love him. But he is always working, at least that's what he tells me. It must be true because Barbara rang. Joe is on his way and asked me to tell you that he loves you. I trust him, after all we both promised, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. I smile, this time it will be different. After everything that happened, I turned around and instead of dark troubled sky, there is a most beautiful golden sunset. A pink ethereal light glows across the land, reflecting rose flames in every shadow. <laughs>